All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk about the recent movie news and TV news. We also talk about some of the things we recently saw. And this episode, we're going to talk mostly about two big uh, releases. Uh, Disney's Pixar's new movie, Turning Red. We saw this movie. So we're going to give our review of that. And also the Netflix uh, science fiction film that stars Ryan Reynolds. That's the Adam Project. We also saw this movie. So we're going to give our review of that movie as well. Uh, let's start with some news. I mean, really kind of slow week. I, I, I didn't really see anything. Uh, I saw some really quick casting news. Florence Pugh has joined the cast of Dune Part 2. Mm-hmm. Is that interesting? I don't know. Um, well, I, I, I love Dune, and I think she's a great actress. Um, I sure (laughs) yeah exactly that's kind of the response i had also in casting news dune part two austin butler uh raymond this is your favorite actor i believe (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna appear he's not he's not but he was really damn good in um uh what what was it uh once upon a time with the quentin tarantino yeah once upon a time in hollywood and he and he it looks like he's gonna be fantastic in the new elvis movie and you know what he's going to be playing um steen's character right yeah and i remember timothy chalamet when he was doing press for dune that uh People asked him if who who would you like to um, to join Dune the set part two, and I think he name dropped uh, Florence Pugh. So back then, so mm. it's it seems like a good choice anyway. I mean, I, that I I think that I think it makes sense. I guess. Uh, Rich, there's some breaking news, by the way. Um, some really sad news. Uh, w- tell us uh, what happened here. Yeah, veteran actor William Hurt has passed away. I guess he was suffering from cancer, pancreatic cancer. Uh, for the last few years of his life, and uh, he finally succumbed by it, and he's—I uh, guess—he died uh, this past weekend. Um, you know. When you think of William Hurt, what was what's like kind of the first uh, character or movie you, you? For for me, for me, immediately Altered States. Really, mm. Altered States. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first movie that scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, I mean that—that's the one that I, I picked up Mad Magazine <laughs> with the uh, Altered States cover on it. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. <laughs> that's even scary isn't it? what is this i mean i think i think for a younger audience though when they think of william hurt they obviously think of the marvel movies he played um what was the character uh thunder ross Thun- thunderbolt ross yeah thunderbolt. i think he played him in uh the incredible hulk movie with edward norton recently in black widow and captain america civil war where the i'm surprised that that's what people remember him <laughs> so in such insignificant presence in those films but um He's great in them, I guess. I always, yeah, I, th- I think of him in like the the Big Chill. Like Big Chill's a fantastic film with mm-hmm. him. I mean, it's an unsubtle movie. He's just like one of one of the people in it. But I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic film. Uh, uh, just having all these characters, you know, that's a great film. Um, yeah, that that movie was a certainly a cultural milestone for a particular generation. It was kind of like the moment where hippies were turning into yuppies and you know people remember that movie quite well uh, an older generation remember that film quite well because it represented them and yeah like you were saying it's, it is an ensemble cast and a lot of great uh people were in that film but i think the movie that i remember him in was or at least the, the first movie that pops up is uh broadcast news where he plays a anchorman uh, i guess a, a typically handsome anchorman who becomes very ambitious and I think what's great about that movie, you got a really great performance by Holly Hunter and also a really strong performance by Al- Albert Brooks. 
But uh, William Hurt was uh, kind of that guy who uh, you want to hate him in that movie, and and but yet you understood why he was so um, magnetic in in his uh, in in that role. Um, yeah. And I think you know a lot of people talk about kind of that love triangle between those three characters, but I think the great moment in that movie was when Holly Hunter realized that he is kind of uh, faking it. You know that that scene where he's. He is faking crying. Yeah. He, he, he is trying to uh, conjure a certain emotion with his news broadcast because he knows that's going to get a lot of ratings. And so it really, I think that movie really talks about how, it, it talks about how news was being more sens- uh, uh, more sensationalized. It was more interested in getting ratings and, and his character was so ambitious and how that ambition really kind of skew his idea of what the news should be i think that movie holds up because of that it isn't just about kind of the relationships it is a it has a it says a lot about currently what's going on with cable news now you know and the mistrust about everything uh so i think that that movie is fantastic and i loved his performance in that rich what's what's something that uh what is one of his better performances after altered states he did you know hit after hit after hit he went from that altered states body heat the Big Chill, Gorky Park, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Children of a Lesser God, Broadcast News, and then, and then he did one of my favorite <laughs> cameos, like I think I Love You to Death, where he played a hippie alongside Keanu Reeves and and uh, and River Phoenix. Uh, it was totally out movie. of the loop. Yeah, that's a great character actor right there. That 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 character is. It's a standout performance by him. I mean, that's, but after that, um, some of the movies that I remember him as, as Michael with uh, John Travolta, Dark City, AI, um, the Steven Spielberg. Uh, all right, but my favorite movie of all is, is A History of Violence, which you got nominated for. And uh, that's the one that I go, um, when I first saw A History of Violence, I was going, what kind of accent is he using? <laughs> and this is kind of weird. But his performance in it was just, just, really really spectacular and he I was kind of he was kind of evil and he was kind of a oh, front, yeah, yeah, yeah. menacing yeah in, in that, in that oh. part. yeah super terrifying in that movie and i think the reason why we really loved that performance was because earlier in his career he was kind of more regal i guess you could say or he was kind of majestic it, or stately i guess you could say about his his uh earlier work he was always kind of playing a politician or a professional yeah him him in that him him in that role reminded me a lot of kind of like uh albert brooks and in, in drive you know it's like it's a role that you would not completely never expect this actor to do but he pulled it off so perfectly it kind of it it, it it shocks you in a way that you haven't seen him do more roles like that yeah before yeah well i mean when he won the best actor oscar for kiss of the spider woman he was actually playing a homosexual he starred opposite raul, raul julia and I, I i recently saw this film and raul julia not to take anything away from william hurt but raul julia was was phenomenal in that movie he plays a, a political prisoner and he is uh thrown into thrown in jail where his cellmate is william hurt this uh effeminate homosexual man who is uh i think he was unjustly prisoned or maybe he was a criminal i can't remember but the you know it was set in this kind of um they were living under this tyrannical government and it's really kind of a thought-provoking political prison drama and it's also about this kind of i guess you could say a love story between these two men but it's really kind of was showing you how living in these extreme conditions that you kind of really are forced to rely on the person next to you and in this case it was two 
men in a cell room. And it was really a thought provoking film that really uh, broke new ground. I mean, William Hurt, you know, uh, won the Oscar for it. And it's, uh, I think people should go back to see it. I know maybe it's a little old fashioned to have a straight man playing a, uh, a gay man. But I think it's 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 a, a ter- it's a terrific kind of political drama. Yeah, it's a you know William Hurt has so many performances that you you wouldn't think that he um, achieved, but a, a really kind of a great career, long career, and um, ho- hopefully people just don't remember him as just the the MCU guy. Um, he did a um, a small uh, role in uh, one of the Apple series, Mythic Quest. Um, in second season, I think it was episode seven, uh, playing uh, an old uh, friend of to F. Mary Abraham, and yeah, it's in that in that in that that episode he was playing a man who was dying, and I think it it, it felt you could feel even though I didn't really know about his health at the time, you you do feel like there was something very personal with that performance, and and it was such a kind of moving episode because it was about a guy. Uh, F. Murrayham going back to his old friend and trying to reconcile the relationship in a, in a comedic way. But I think Hurt does a really strong performance in that episode. Yeah, one of his strongest, actually. Yeah, he was incredible there. I I, I almost forgot about that because he's almost very unrecognizable in it. Yeah, I would say that William Hurt is like one of those character actors or one of those guys who became, a, who probably started his career as a leading man, but ended his career as a character actor and a really good actor. So yeah, like I was saying before, I hope people look beyond the MCU films and see some of the kind of films that he did in the eighties and nineties, especially broadcast news, especially altered states, uh, a kiss of the spider woman and, um, the big shill, the big shill. Yeah. And a lot of others. So yeah, give it a look. All right. Let's talk about the, probably the only big news that came out this week is that Sean Levy is going to direct Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool three. Uh, this was just announced a, a couple of days ago. What is your feelings about this team teaming up again? Oh uh, man, personally for me, this is such a disappointment. Um, I, 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 I don't want to sound like I hate Sean Levy or anything. I, 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 I like the guy. He seems cool, I guess. Um, I just really am not a fan of his movies. I don't think he's made you know terrible films well maybe he's made a few terrible films but i don't think his movies are like completely awful but he really makes films for like a a young audience he makes like family movies and i guess lately he's dipping his toes into like kind of edgy pg-13 movies like the internship with vince vaughn and now free guy but his movies for me are still just very safe and that's exactly what deadpool should not be you know what i mean I was originally very disappointed when they announced that Years of Deadpool 3 were going to be the writers of Bob's Burgers because I really loved what um, the screenwriters of the first two films, the Zombieland screenwriters, uh, did with the first two Deadpool movies. But uh, I guess they recently announced also that the, the uh, Deadpool writers did come back to do a rewrite of the script. Mm-hmm. But now they're bringing Sean Levy, which makes me think, oh, no, but they're, that means they're still keeping this PG-13. It seems like this is going to be a PG-13 Deadpool, which I mean, could still work, but. I mean, well, do you think you think you'll change your mind if they soon announce that Hugh Jackman will join the the movie with as, okay. as Wolverine? You wouldn't care, okay? Because you know the the word around you know is, is of course those those three are uh, you know the three amigos and and uh, yeah and uh, it, uh, yeah Sean Levy did Real Steel, the Hugh Jackman movie, so right. I, I imagine and, the guys are very close, and I think they're doing a Real Steel too right now, right? I don't know right. if Hugh Jackman's uh, supposed to be coming back for that. 
Or so, t- was it a TV series? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with Raymond that the, they're they're gonna uh, uh, Sean Levy is a uh, more of a like a Disney connect, so he's perfect the choice for Disney. But uh, I'm not sure if he's a perfect choice for Deadpool, which was 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 a Fox at first, but it was still produced by Ryan Reynolds. So, um, it it's the humor that might be changed a lot, uh, but um. David Leach was was the, the the director of the last film, and I thought that was a much much more better Deadpool. Uh, I think uh, uh, Sean Levy is a lot more like uh, Chris Columbus type of uh, filmmaker. Oh, um, uh, the the poor man's Chris Columbus. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm saying like uh, kid friendly uh, director kind of thing. Let's talk about his filmography really quick because he's known for like at best probably best known for making the Night at the Museum trilogy, and uh, I guess. After that, he's probably best known for making the cheaper by dozen movies with Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, his... and the pink, the Pink Panther, just married with Ashton Kutcher, date night. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's Big a fat he, liar. Would you say clean co- comedy? So he's, far, yeah. yeah. He's kind of. Like I mean, a... he's been. He, uh, that's what I meant. Like the most edgiest thing that he's done is the internship with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, which was the poor man's wedding crashers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I, apparently uh, Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy are best friends now, and yeah. they are going to yeah. continue to work together. I, when I heard the story, I just go, well, that's horrible, but also it makes sense because, you know, they just love working together. And it makes sense yeah. because it seems like Disney uh, or, or Marvel are, is going to try to bring Deadpool into their franchise, into the MCU. And the only way they could do that is they somehow make it more kid friendly. And you, you don't hire a person like Sean Levy if you're not going to make it kid, kid friendly. Right. So I think this makes perfect sense. And, 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 you know, I think rated R comic book movies, at least for Marvel side, are over. It's gone. It's, it's, it's no more. No more Logan. Well, let me, no more let, me, let me ask you really quick. <laughs> let me ask you really quick. Because I think there's still a way they could get away with this. Especially because, you know, I don't know if you remember, but when Deadpool 2 came out during the Christmas season, they released a PG-13 cut of the movie called Once Upon a Time of Deadpool, which removed a lot of the kind of extreme stuff and removed all the gore and blood. And um, it was an edited version of the movie, essentially. And I was thinking, like, what if they just kind of make the movie, right? But and then release it in theaters PG-13. But then on Blu-ray... And maybe on Hulu, release an extended cut, and that extended cut is like more like what you would expect from a true Deadpool movie. And the one you get in theaters is like the the edited version. Do you think that would still kind of work? No, no. no. Okay. I mean, I think I think. Well, I don't think they're gonna put anything on Blue Blu Ray anymore. It's, oh, okay. It's, it's all it's all streaming. So if you're, I mean, I, they could do a version for Hulu, and now that you know, now that you know, there are certain Hulu original series that have really gone into extreme bounds i mean uh the pam and yeah. tommy was a, i would say that would get an, a rated x if that was released in theaters so i could see them doing that but i don't think they need to do that and i think the difference between a pg-13 gory version of a pg-13 movie is different than a rated r movie you know like let's say for logan for instance logan had some really great ideas uh, and that was directed for adults yes and it was dealing with kind of issues about old uh getting older and and losing power and about you know really kind of dark uh ideas and subject matters 
that it, I don't really give a shit if they had gore or not. I just, my rated R comic book movie, I wanted to be more adult and in touch with really kind of darker ideas and subject matter. Well, the new Batman movie proved that you don't even have to be rated R to do that. Sure. Sure. Well, I, th- I think what worries me more is that Deadpool is going to be, because I, I liked the first two Deadpool movies. They were uh, part, one of the things that made them so special to me is that they were so uniquely different than everything that's going on in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see a Deadpool movie that's just like the MCU humor, the MCU flavor. I don't want to see that because I'm already so over the MCU jokes. I'm already so over their style. Don't do that to Deadpool. Right. Let's get into our review of Turning Red. This is the new Pixar animated film that was released on Disney+. Plus. Uh, this is the new film from Domi Shi. She's a, a, a Chinese-Canadian animator who is, up to this point, best known for 2018 short film Bao. I mean, I personally think it's one of Pixar's best shorts. Yeah, Raymond, you saw this movie and you, uh, you saw the short film. Yeah, I played it, if I remember correctly, in front of Incredibles 2. And I liked Incredibles 2 quite a bit, um, but I thought that the short in front of it was better than the entire movie. And um, I, 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 when, when I found out that she was making this film, Turning Red, I was, I was excited for it. Even when I saw the trailer, I, the trailer didn't really win me over or you know, get me super excited. But when I found out it was from the director of Bao, I was like, okay, well, now I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, watching the movie, uh, I definitely don't like it as much as Bao. Or bow, bail, however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. But for for what it is, um, it's definitely kind of a very different movie for Pixar. I mean, it's it's about puberty and stuff. And usually Pixar movies, like I guess they have dealt with human characters in the past. We had Inside Out. Uh, but besides that, they usually don't really deal with human characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, so this is a little oh and soul also, and soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, so this this felt this felt a little different. Uh, it felt uh, it felt very personal to the director to Domi Shi, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I liked about Bao. That Bao was a very personal movie, but this is um, I think Bao was speaking to her more adult side, and this is kind of her kind of getting in touch with her 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 rebellious youth, and if you will, her 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 twelve thir- her twelve and thirteen year old side of her. So for me watching this, it kind of felt like a, like a Lisa Simpson episode of The Simpsons. And uh, I'm, I guess before we started recording, uh, we were talking a little bit about the movie and Richard kept, kept comparing it to Scott Pilgrim. And I think that's a pretty spot on comparison. So I would say it's kind of like a Lisa Simpson episode mixed with like the style of Scott Pilgrim. And uh, I like The Simpsons and I like uh, Scott, Scott Pilgrim. So I, I enjoyed that of the film. Uh, but uh, as the movie went on, I felt like for myself, it kind of just started to lose a little bit of focus and uh, it gets to a third act that I personally felt was a little convoluted and kind of, um, yeah, just a little convoluted and had a third act that just left me a little underwhelmed. But overall, I, I thought the movie was solid, not one of Pixar's best, but definitely not their worst. Yeah, I agree. I think this movie is a okay movie. Uh, certainly not targeted for me. I'm someone who is older. I'm in my 40s, and this really feels like a movie geared for young adults or not young. Well, actually, young children. Yeah. I mean, I think the 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 main character is 13 years old, and I think this is aggressively for 13 year old viewers. And I think they would love it. I think uh, young girls will love this. And I think uh, some young boys will definitely love this. Uh, it has really great animation. 
I just didn't really kind of connect it to the characters or even um, the story itself. I think the story was kind of, like you were saying, convoluted, especially at the end. And I'm not sure if I if was if there was a character journey that I really understood. I mean, the the main character here, this young girl, uh, really is a person who has uh, a lot going for herself at the beginning. I mean, she's she's not necessarily a, you know the biggest popular girl in school, but she has a lot of friends. A plus student. Yeah, and great a plus gra- student. Great, um, yeah, great grades has three close friends uh you know this event happens where she becomes a red panda uh, because of her emotions is it is a allegory for puberty and uh because she turns into a red panda she really fears that this is going to affect her relationship or her friends but it really doesn't it actually helps her uh the, the panda becomes cool and i thought maybe this is kind of a teen wolf vibe it kind it, it kind of is in the first half or yeah, like in the middle, right? When she's because to, to me, the first half of this movie was kind of like Pixar's uh, Teen Wolf, but for girls. And then the second half became uh, Pixar's a goofy movie for girls. <laughs> <laughs> so I will talk about that, I guess, a bit more after you finish. I mentioned Teen, teen Wolf because the 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 lesson the lesson learned in Teen Wolf was that. You know, once Michael J. Fox turn, turns into a wolf, he becomes very popular. And the same thing kind of happens here, too. But then he learns that he can't be the wolf the whole time. He has to be the geeky self. His, he has to uh, reconcile with his geeky self. And he can't really turn, turn the wolf on all the time. But that's not the case here. The case here, the lesson here is like, be the panda. Or not be the panda. Or... Be the panda. I don't understand what the lesson was bo- supposed to be about. It, it's it's very convoluted. That's why I didn't. I don't really. I uh, I it's I I think I'd be spoiling it if I talk about it. But that's why I don't like how they handled some of the heritage stuff. Right. Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. Because I think that kind of goes against with the whole metaphor they're trying to make with pure beauty or the allegory they're making with pure beauty. I I think they don't really. They don't really cross over. <laughs> yeah, because this supposed this but, this they she learns the little girl learns that this is actually a family curse, and becoming a panda is not necessarily like Teen Wolf. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> the whole you know this whole kind of allegory that this is hormonal, or this is because of her raging hormones. But then the other girls don't turn into pandas, or they don't have their own kind of secret, you know, monster. You know, her friends or the people in school. This is only happening mm-hmm. to her and her family. So it's not like, for instance, like this, it, this is why this is why we like Big Mouth more. <laughs> I was going to say Big Mouth. I haven't seen. I never seen an episode of Big Mouth, but I understand that that concept where everyone has their own hormonal monster. Right? Is that is that the case? Yeah. So yes. it's so it's totally different. I mean, I, I that's why I'm saying I'm a little confused with the, what the lessons you're supposed to learn from this. I understood. I, I understood the lesson. I just don't know if it was a right lesson for a Disney movie. It felt more like the lesson that you would see in a Sony animated film, or definitely in something like Fox related. That's why I kind of compared it to a Simpsons episode, like a least even a Lisa Simpson episode, because. I mean, the third act of this movie, I, I don't want to get spoilery. It's not something that offends me, but I'm like, I'm sure this, this I don't know if this, like parents were expecting a third act or, that just involves, you know, a little girl twerking at her mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no spoilers, but that's the third act of the movie. Well, that happens in the third act. But I mean, yeah, there's these. It's, no, but it's not, ju- it's not just something that happens. That's the res- That's the resolution. That's like the boss fight. That's the big, 
that's the big moment in the movie. It's not just a joke that happens. I, I still, I still, I'm, I, like, that's the problem with this movie. I don't understand what the panda is supposed to represent. Is supposed is it representing the hormones, or is it representing self confidence, or is it representing like a a, a family curse? Or something? I don't understand. Like, for for myself, for myself, it's supposed to. I, I mean, like kind of like we said earlier, it's supposed to represent puberty. It's supposed to represent you know. Uh, but by the end of the film, is that you know she 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 learns how to handle it and control it. Oh yeah, it just doesn't really it doesn't make sense with the with the whole family heritage storyline. Yeah, they throw a lot of elements yeah. into the final act where because uh, uh, you know eventually she needs to amend this relationship with her mother, and I guess that's part of it as well. But again, I don't. <laughs> it, and it, that the whole that whole third act uh, sequence, like with with her confronting her mother and stuff. That reminded me, like they like of the third act of Paranorman. You ever see that movie, the Leica film? No, I felt like they completely uh, ripped off like a moment mm-hmm. from that film. That, well, I I got the I got the feeling of uh, Pegasus got married at the end. If you you know, the, the, uh, Pegasus in that in that. It's movie. been a while since I've seen Pegasus got married. <laughs> but uh, Kathleen Turner has to go. You know, she travels back in time at her high school, and she has to go. Uh, she has to in order to travel back forward in time. Uh, she has to uh, team up with her grandparents and be- or at least her grandfather because she, they were he is a part of a social club that <laughs> you know it, it's a little convoluted but i i thought that was maybe they were trying to do i don't know rich we we didn't get your uh, opinion yet uh, what was your thoughts on uh, turning red well it's obvious that the, pic- the picture is not for me and uh um i didn't particularly like it is it obvious uh, yeah, it is. Uh, and, and I think the writing on it is um, pretty lazy. I think of all the pictures um, that I've seen from Pixar, this is probably the most sitcom-y type of writing. This might as well have been like a Tina Fey kind of clone um, stuff. It was very much like that one show that's on uh, Peacock right now, uh, Girls 5 Eva, the, uh, ba- uh, the with, with, with the boy band thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, a, it's a girl band. A girl band but there's a boy band thing mm-hmm. but the film is focused towards children and i'm talking about young children it's it's got the same animation style of like luca and i'd say the peanuts the blue sky uh peanuts mm-hmm. but i could see the 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 that you know you had, pro- you had problems with the whole movie because it's not really your type of thing but you could at least appreciate what they were doing but by the time you get to the third act you're like this is just a mess yeah it uh, but I could see where some of the youth are gonna are gonna like it. I mean, it's it's got more of um, a Nickelodeon type of uh, comedy kind of thing, so it's fine for what it is. I do like the the animation of the panda itself. Obviously, from seeing the trailers, we all knew going into this movie this was gonna borrow a lot from Teen Wolf. Yeah. And when watching the movie in the first half, I was actually surprised by like how like they really recreate like multiple scenes from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I had. Did this like how do you guys feel about that? Because like personally, like I I didn't mind it, but after a, after a while, specifically in in the middle, like I was like a little a little much, you know. You guys could have like at least you didn't have to like shot by shot recreate these scenes. Yeah, that's what I meant by lazy. It was just 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 lazy storytelling. It's lazy. Um, uh, the comedy itself, it was just lazy. It was just um, that's what I meant. Uh, sitcomy. I think a lot of the humor. I think a lot of the humor came from the anxiety of the girl. No. Wouldn't you agree that the comedy was mostly targeted for young children? I think out of all the Pixar movies, this is kind of the first movie that really is targeted to children exclusively. I think Pixar is I kind know. of I think Pixar is kind of known for uh, 
being aware that their parents are watching this stuff. So a lot of the jokes are kind of references to to what maybe parents would would know. I think this movie does have all of that. You so. think so? Well, yeah. You, it's just, I, mean, I think the I think the I think the parents that they're kind of more targeting are kind of like in their thirties, late twenties, late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, because because like because because I think that like we we mentioned like the the first half of this movie is basically or a lot of it is like Teen Wolf. Uh, I think the second half of this movie is basically a goofy movie from the nineties. Like the a goofy movie from the nineties goofy movie is basically a, a movie about goofy son Max uh, dealing with puberty and uh, his uh, he's constantly having like these visions and fantasies of the of the woman of the girl he loves. And uh, the whole movie is basically he wants to spend time with her and go to this concert. And his dad, Goofy, forces him to go on this road trip. And the third act of the movie has been him basically going to the concert and getting the girl. And I mean, that I feel like this is basically, you know, a Goofy movie, but for, for this generation and more for girls. And now, if I'm being honest, I think this is a, a better movie than a Goofy movie. Maybe that's not saying much, but I remember when I was a child loving that film. And I think, yeah, I think kids today are going to really love this. And um, you know what? I think a lot of boys have gotten a lot of movies like this over the years that, you know, have uh, an hour kind of metaphor for puberty. But I don't think girls have really gotten ones that were specifically geared towards a young, a young female audience. I mean, we do have stuff like, I guess, like Pen15, but that's not really for young audience. The things I do like about this movie, that this feel particularly uh, personal to the director. Yeah, that's what I liked about it as well. I just wish the story had been better. Exactly. I think I think the uh, I think the, the things that do work is some of kind of the, the the specifics of of this being set in Toronto, this being set in a Chinese uh, community, uh, this being set in two thousand two, and you get a lot of these kind of rep cultural references to um, what is that toy again <laughs> that they use. Uh, Tamagotchi, Tamagotchi. Yeah, the, yeah. So there's like a lot of in jokes like that, which I guess older people would would recognize. So I guess that works. I, I guess all that stuff. I, you know, the visual styles also works very well too. The like Richard was saying, the panda design is very good. Yeah. I I, I just you know my problem was is like what is the lesson learned here, and I'm not, I still don't understand. I uh, well, but I I still I still think the main lesson about a, a girl kind of overcoming and learning how to handle all of this does come through i just think the whole mother mother stuff i don't really i, I don't understand what they were trying to do there <laughs> I, I get I, I see a little i see a little bit of it but I, it's 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 kind of messy it's sloppy it's because they were all i think they were also trying to include a lot of uh, this kind of uh chinese heritage and stuff and i admired them for that but i it kind of got a little messy with um with the main kind of metaphor for puberty because it's they tie they try to tie it all together yeah yeah they try to tie it together and i don't think it it, there's i don't think it works all together you got multiple things uh working at the same time and i don't and like i said the red panda represents different things (laughs) you know it's not just hormones it's also it also represents a lack of 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 communication with your family i guess maybe this is it's not working for me because i'm an old dude and i'm uh i don't you know i can't connect i'll, to I'll say I'll, I'll say this really quick i feel like if i were maybe 20 years older uh, i'd i'd be a little harsher on it all right rich what is your grade for turning red like i said it's not for me so i can't i can't create it for myself but for the parents i would say it's probably like a a c plus 
Yeah, I would say for me, it's going to be a C. I mean, I I'm not the target audience and uh, I didn't, but I, I could see it like children loving this, like watching this every day. I mean, this is, there's so much uh, energy in this film that yeah. I think the kids will love that just on the visual aspect, they will love mm -hmm. it. So, but for me, uh, as an older man, I don't really could connect to it. So I give it a C. Raymond. And um, yeah, but I mean, really quick also, I mean, I, because we haven't mentioned it, I think everyone in the, in the, in the voice cast is fantastic. Oh yeah. Sandra uh, San, O. Sandra, Sandra O's, Sandra O's very good, but I, very sm small role, but um, I, who, 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 who was the, who was the father? Uh, or orion lee oh, yeah orion orion lee, lee. I, I thought orion lee was very good in this film but I don't, i'm not sure what he's from but i thought he well it was good to hear. i like the father in this movie yeah it was great to hear uh the the voice of james hong i guess he, i think he was playing the god uh the grandfather or yeah the, the grandfather and um he's the you know veteran chinese american actor who's been in a lot of things he was also in the voice he was the voice of Jack Black, Mr. Fun. Ping, and, yeah, Kung Mr. and Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, and I think that's probably the role that he's going to be uh, remembered for for a lot of young people. I and mean, he's 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 had a, a huge career in voice acting this past like a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. And uh, but, I mean, to me, he'll always be remembered for Wayne's World too, <laughs> <laughs> or Blade Runner. Blade <laughs> Big Runner. Trouble in Little China, right? Big Trouble in Little China. Blade Runner. Uh, great character. Chinatown, but but come on, Wayne's World too. <laughs> So it's great to, yeah, it's good. It's a good voice cast. I had no problems with that. I really didn't have any problems with the animation. Again, I, I think it all just, it was the, the storyline and certainly the third act. Uh, what, wait, what was your grade again, Raymond? Oh, I don't think I graded it. Uh, I give the movie a B minus. Okay. It was never boring for me. I thought it was uh, totally watchable. Um, and while I do think there are going to be like some parents that are, like, are gonna, might be, feel a little uncomfortable watching this with their daughters. I mean, I wouldn't feel awkward. <laughs> It'll probably be more awkward for the daughters, I imagine. Yeah. All right. All right. That was our review of Turning Panda. Oh, wait. No. Turning Red. <laughs> Turning Red, which is now available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, let's get to our next film, The Adam Project, which is uh, available now on Netflix. It's a science fiction action adventure film that stars... Uh, Ryan Reynolds, and also directed by Sean Levy. These two previously did Free Guy, which was a huge hit. Uh, was this kind of a another? Was this another uh, slam dunk for them? Uh, Rich, tell us your thoughts on the Adam Project. Well, this genre, unlike the other uh, the other movie, this one's this genre is a lot for me. I mean, I love I love sci-fi. I love the action adventures. I love this type of movies like uh, Last Starfighter, like uh, Star Wars, of course, and, mm -hmm. you know, the stuff like that. I mean, uh, and Sean Levy, he's been doing good films, at least uh, okay films. Uh, I, I like Free Guy enough, and uh, I like what he's producing with Stranger Things, of course, and he's doing a lot of good stuff in producing-wise. Uh, but Ryan Reynolds, I'm iffy on, on a lot of stuff. This, this project fit him mm -hmm. fine, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Because they found a young version of him, and this guy Walt, uh, Walker Scoble, um, they got, they found a real talent in him because he was able to mimic Ryan Reynolds, and I, I like the chemistry they both had together. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. I love the cast. Some of the um, 
the the story was just a little too quick for me. It was just too quick pacing. Uh, I really wish they really? went. Uh, yeah, opening the opening shot was just like you okay. know, boom, we're there. I don't know. I mean, it's just it, you, I was. You I liked was, the movie then? I liked the concept more right. than the actual movie itself. So you didn't like the okay, movie? Okay. Um, did you wait? I, I'm confused. You, did you like the movie? Uh, I thought it was okay. Some of the stuff, of course, it was just um, ridiculous, but it's, it's family ridiculous. Okay, and well, uh, for myself, um, I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not a Sean Levy fan at all. So when I, when trailers came out for this film, I I, I did not sell me on it, but I was willing to give it a, a chance because it's on. It's going to be on Netflix, and I'm a Ryan Reynolds fan. And going into the movie, it was. It was. I don't know. I, I, I guess the ba- best way to say it is i I mean i agree with rich the cast is fantastic i mean the chemistry between ryan reynolds and this kid is what makes the movie but i hate the movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um like this movie for me like i don't understand how this script got produced and i know i've been reading online i've been hearing stories that this has been in development hell for like since the 90s or something like that i'm not sure it's it's been it's been in development hell for for ridiculously long time and I, 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 I'm blown away by it because to me, nothing in this script was good. Um, the only thing that really works here is the, the chemistry between the cast. And I almost kind of wish that this whole movie was just like Ryan Reynolds shows up. He sees this younger kid and, this younger kid and he's kind of just helping him out, uh, helping him out with life. And then uh, uh, you don't find he's, the, he's really the older version of him until like the end of the movie or something like that. Because I, I, this whole saving the future Catherine uh Catherine Keener's character is always all done none of that worked for me it felt like a complete afterthought the way they handled the action and the storyline uh the sci-fi storyline to me it felt like Disney action it felt like Disney sci-fi it felt like I was watching the Tomorrow World the George Clooney movie it felt like I was watching Artemis Fowl it felt like I was watching um The Wrinkle in Time Books with an Amblin movie it is so weird, and I I, uh, I don't hate the movie because I I really love the cast. I loved again Reynolds and this kid, and when when once Ruffalo shows up, I mean I thought he was a great addition, and the three of them working off each other was was fantastic to watch. But I really hated the movie. Uh, full disclosure, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Reynolds. Um, I hated uh Red Notice. And although I think this is better than Red Notice, I still think this movie is not a great movie. Um, mainly because I just I can't stand Ryan Reynolds at this point. And now that you got a little boy who is acting like Ryan Reynolds, so now I'm have to deal with two Ryan Reynolds in this movie. And so I had a really hard time kind of uh, dealing with that. Yeah, it's kind of like you know because we just reviewed uh, Turning Panda or <sighs> Turning Red. It, 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 there's very similar where this that that movie was aggressively for young kids and mainly for young girls adam project is aggressively for young kids mainly for young boys and uh you can see the the, the differences between the <laughs> between the two this movie tries to capture some of that 80s boy-centric science fiction adventure films like explorers um What's another one? Um, um, the Last Starfighter. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of uh, boy centric 
films, uh, uh, sci-fi films that came out in the 80s. And this is trying to capture that same spirit, but I don't think it quite got there. I don't think it's it's that. It's, it's, don't, it's, yeah, don't, did, did you also get a little bit of that kind of like Disney, modern day Disney vibe? Like that kind of Artemis Fowl and like Tomorrow World, Tomorrowland? Oh, Tomorrowland. That's what, that's what, yeah, the George Clooney movie. Mm. Like that's what a lot of this like felt like, like all the action sequences. I, I was just like, I'm just like, it's not bad action. Don't get me wrong. The action's well done, but I was just like, oh, I'm just watching another Disney movie. Well, yeah, it definitely feels like a, uh, a sweeping science fiction adventure action film where it's not necessarily grounded in real life. It's kind of like high, it's high flying adventure. But I mean, I still have to deal with like Ryan Reynolds and his khaki jokes and stuff like that. I'm like, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Reynolds. And, and I, I, even if you have a different actor, I think this movie doesn't work anyway. I think the story is pretty lacking. It really is uh, a kind of weak tea type of uh, sci-fi, it's especially that third act. I think the third act doesn't necessarily work. And the whole idea with uh, Catherine uh, Keener's uh, character as the main villain, I don't think she works as well. I think that was just kind of lazy, tacked on character development. Unfortunately, you could say the same about Zoe Zeldana, but I, but I had, I had yeah. but, but Zoe Zeldana, I at least thought gave a good performance. I don't know. I, I, you know, I just don't like, I just don't like this was an action movie. I don't think it needed action. <laughs> I don't think it needed to be a whole saving the world type of thing. I mean, I would, I wish it was just a guy traveling back in time to try to save his wife. And I don't know, for some reason he needed to speak to his dad and he, <laughs> he calculated, he calculated the years wrong and he, he has to like, just spend most of the movie with this kid. Like when I was watching this movie, cause all I really liked about this movie was again, was the chemistry between the cast. So I, it made me think of, um, the Colin Trevorrow's first film, safety, not guaranteed, which is technically a sci-fi film, but it's really just like a whole character movie of and I wish this movie had just been something simple like that, because when it get, once it got to all the action, once it gets to the sci-fi, once it gets to the time travel, none of it really worked. It's been done better. Yeah, I agree. There's only one scene that I really, really enjoyed, and it's with Ryan Reynolds and Jennifer Garner. And um, oh, that's a good scene. I think that was probably the best scene in that, the whole movie. That, w- that scene, that scene would have worked in my version of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would, and I really enjoyed. Reynolds's performance as someone who has to someone who's older and he's he's watching his um mother uh and having this conversation I think I, I thought the whole scene works well and I I wish the the movie was just about that and uh and, and it was funny because I go oh this is where he's gonna meet his mother and I go oh is this gonna be back to the future and and, and it actually surprised <laughs> me that it wasn't and it, it was actually much more uh heartwarming and 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 sentimental and i i go wow that this this could have been this could be a whole different movie but it was only one scene that uh lasted about two minutes or so and and everything else is back to normal to the kind of same same tropes of a, of a science fiction action film you know so I, I you know like i said i don't think this movie works i want to bring something up really quick uh because i'm reading online that um back in 2012 they were going to make this movie with tom cruise do you think that would have been any better? No. Would you have liked that more? <laughs> no. No, I think this whole idea of like traveling back in time to see your younger self is a little played out. Uh, let, me, let me throw you this. Because, you know, when I was thinking about the movie, 
and and watching the third act, which I don't think works, and was really getting bored by the third act. And I, me I, too. I, I, my mind went to boss level, which has a similar idea, time travel, but this time Frank Grillo is uh only goes back what how many like a day or so, right? He only goes back yeah, a day. One day, yeah, and he gets a chance to d- develop a relationship with his son. Not his younger self. I think that movie's a hundred times better, and deals with and yeah, does does I this, love that movie, yeah, and does this Amblin or what does this thing much better than it's, than, than it's than, not than an Amblin movie though. No, but it's I, it's, I it's, it's it's like kind of the modern day version of that, right? We're going back in time, and right. I'm going to have this relationship with my son, and I'm. Gonna I don't s- know. I w- but- for people listening, because I I, saw, I think sometimes you make comparisons that might throw people off when they go check these movies out. Um, Boss level probably has more in common with like something like Crank than it does like an Amblin film. <laughs> well, well, it is bloody. It is, an, an, I guess, a rated R movie. But is it rated R? I don't remember. But I mean, yes, very rated R. Okay, well, you're saying like, how could you fix the Adam Project? Well, make a PG version of of Boss Level. Then I would love that. Yeah, I would. I would something like that. All right, let's uh, grade it. Uh, Rich, what's your grade for the Adam Project? I uh, probably. Uh... Uh, as far as a, a family action film, uh, sticking with family, uh, I think you probably give another C plus. Yeah, I'm gonna probably give this the same grade as Turning Red, which is did I give that C minus? I forgot. I think you just gave, you it, gave a C. it a C. Oh yeah, so I'll give this a C as well. I think it's a uh, perfectly fine for young kids, and um, I think it's I think I think you know I think that dads who need something to watch with their kid, I think this is perfect for them. But uh, like I said, I'm not a fan of Ryan Reynolds, and I don't think this movie works in the third act. Yeah, so I'll give this a C. Okay, and I give the movie a C plus also, the same as Rich. Um, I don't really care for the movie, but I have to give it a C plus because I think it's enjoyable because of the cast. Mainly uh, Ryan Reynolds and this uh, new kid, uh, Walker Scoble. And Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Gardner are also very good in the film, but... I, I think that for me, it's really because of Reynolds and the, this, uh, this uh, Scoble kid. You know what? Let me quickly say that Mark Ruffalo gets to act with Jennifer Gardner for the first time since 13 going oh, on. Oh, yeah, since 13. 13 going on 30. And I really love their, their chemistry. I mean, I think, I think they should do another movie together. I don't know if a sequel to 13 going on 30, but they really have a great chemistry. And I think uh, uh, th- 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 those scenes with them too, I think uh, really proves that they- It's not could, a lot of them. It's not a lot of them, but they could, they could do something, I think, uh, in the future. And I, I really enjoyed that. And- so there's things I, I liked about the movie. <laughs> yeah, and also seeing them to, and then also seeing them together, it's like, man, Jennifer Gardner's age great, but Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> but Catherine Keener was his wife in Begin Again. Yeah, that's true. And they had horrible scenes together. They should stop doing movies together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was our thoughts on the Adam Project. All right. Uh, I guess that concludes this episode. Uh, just a couple of quick reviews. We'll be back with uh, a new episode next week with hopefully more topics to talk about. Thank you for listening to Insight Flicks. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>